brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to your affirming interfaith community, Swedenborgian community online. Uh, we are happy uh, to connect with you, and I am greatly uh, pleased and uh, joyful about our guest today, Michael Sabani. Greetings, Michael. Hey, Corey. Thank you. So happy to be a part of this. Well, thank you for, for coming on. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you are joining us um, as kind of an online community um, member, or at least a participant, and I, I was really inspired by you reaching out and some of our communication uh, in the past, and it's so, so uh, great that you agreed to, to come on and share part of your journey. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I mean, um, I love what what you're doing with the community, the interfaith aspect and, and the, the fact of, of interfaith and uh, Swedenborg and online all kind of coalescing, right? In this Venn diagram, just it's the sweet spot for me. And it was just um, when I first discovered the community, I was, I was like, oh, this is, this is great. This is somewhere I can feel comfortable. And then just participating in the videos and watching the videos and, and I was like, I, I just, I love what's happening and would love to be a part of it in any way possible. So I appreciate the opportunity. That's, that's, that's inspiring to hear, Michael. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we uh, could connect with you and that you're feeling at home in this uh, kind of worldwide online community. And speaking of online community, it sounds like you have a little bit of background in kind of similar fields. Tell us about your, your work and what you've been up to. Yeah, so um, I work for a tech startup now, a software startup, and we're a fully remote company. Um, so I've got a lot of experience interacting just with my team. So I directly manage two teams, and then we have you know multiple teams across the company that I work with. And so we interact on a daily basis through video, through um, Slack, we use chat, you know, a lot. Uh, my two of my direct reports. One of them is currently in Mexico. The other lives in um, Barcelona. So, <laughs> so we're we're separated, but um, you know we're super close, and it's just a testament to how deeply you can create a relationship with groups of people and sense of community um, online. You know that you can do that now. Um, and my previous work before this uh, was with a, a Jewish nonprofit organization that I co-founded 
um, in Atlanta, and that was focused online. Um, that's what we were. We started doing YouTube videos um, with the tour portion of the week <laughs> and turned that into a blog and a website and a um, turned around, you know, two, three months after really kind of making an effort to make this run. And all of a sudden we had a board of directors, we had investors, we had a budget that we could pay salaries, we had our 501c3, and it's things just fell into place by building a community online um, where people could participate. So when I saw that this had, had been running with, you know, from a Swedenborg, especially with the interfaith piece, which is for me always been um, a personal, uh, I don't want to say challenge, but it's been something I'm very sensitive to, you know, as somebody who has experience in multiple faith backgrounds just within my own family. It's like organizations or groups or communities that respect other viewpoints and then still have a, a clear foundation in somebody as I would say as cool and awesome as Swedenborg and his writings. It's just, it's refreshing, you know. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so you, your family is diverse, and so you want to have a spirituality that supports your growth and inspires you, but also isn't condemning of other people. And, um, maybe is even more proactive in saying, you know what, God connects with, with all of you. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, affirming is, is a great word, and I hear you use that word all the time. Um, affirming, and it's such, it's so refreshing and, and, and positive. I mean, my family is uh, very diverse. So my father is Muslim. Uh, my mother is raised Catholic. I have Jewish ancestry. Um, so we've got three, <laughs> the three Abrahamic religions right there in one family, right? Um, my wife is, is um, a, a humanist a Jewish person. Um, and I felt since a child, like, you know, when you're exposed to all these different things and, and, and good people on all sides, it's so hard to be, you know, judgmental and say, well, I love you, dad, but you're going to hell. <laughs> or, you know, I love you, mom, but you're, you know, and it's, it's wild. And I think at a young age, I really started saying, well, you know, that part doesn't ring true to me that you can kind of cut, you know, these people out of there. And so there must be something else. And, and over the years that I discovered Swedenborg and, and his writings and, and the ideas behind uh, his writings and being able to say, you know, there's an essential kind of that perennial philosophy, right? Or that, that golden thread, um, as I think B. Griffiths called it, uh, just this essence or ground of being that runs through all spiritualities that we have in common. And the way that Swedenborg articulated and described and cataloged <laughs> that is, has been, it's like seeing this, this perennial philosophy underlying all these different threads, all these different faith traditions that was just so clearly explained and promoted by Swedenborg that I haven't found anything else. I can read Buddhism. I can read, um, you know, uh, Jewish uh, books, the Torah, the Talmud. I could read, um, you know, uh, other Christianity books. And I can see in all these things, Hinduism, um, the Bhagavad Gita and see in all these things kind of this 
connective thread that all this this shares this ground that it seems like Swedenborg had really well covered. So, and that was a monologue. Sorry about that. No, that was amazing. Um, thank you for sharing. Honestly, uh, it's that's inspiring, and I'm curious about your your journey with uh, Swedenborg's theology. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, open mystical Christian theology. Uh, where at least Swedenborg believed and many of the people who are inspired by his thought believe there are many paths to heaven, many ways to connect with God, even using different names, uh, through goodness, through, through love, through wisdom. And I'm curious about uh, you, Michael, how your, your journey has been uh, with Swedenborg when it started. Yeah, um, I was thinking about that the other day as I was kind of getting ready to talk. Um, and I realized I first read Swedenborg probably when I was in my early 20s. Um, so that, yeah, probably back in early 2001, 2002. Um, I was working for the Theosophical Society um, in Illinois in their bookstore. And that was just like a, a treasure trove. I mean, it's just thousands of books on every religion and religious philosophy that you could think of all in one place. Um, and that's where I discovered Swedenborg's writings. Um, I was a big fan and it's a little silly, but big fan of um, the Disney cartoon uh, about Johnny Appleseed. I've always really liked Johnny Appleseed. Right. I know. I'll thank Johnny Appleseed for planting that seed. Um, and found out, you know, he was into, into you know, he was a screen board and then, um, I, so I was like, oh, cool, I want to check this out. And I bought Heaven and Hell and I was starting to read it and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> like, I have, I can't, like, I could get, you know, maybe, you know, a third or a quarter of what I was reading. Um, and I put it down for a while and every once in a while, every few years, I'd kind of check back in and... I was kind of lamenting that there was no, no resource, no, nothing to help me kind of unpack that. And I remember three years ago finding the three or four, almost four years ago, finding the Off the Left Eye YouTube channel from the Swedenborg Foundation. And I was like, like just feasting on these videos for weeks and weeks. And just like finally, ah, oh, I so much, you know, credit to them to find out like, ah, I understand this now, like, wow, correspondences, that's what that means, like, this is what he was talking about, um, and then finding this community, and just watching all of the, just devouring all this content that I could find, and realizing, like, this is a crystal clear lens that I can use to really put these different religious philosophies into focus. Oh, amazing. That's my kind of Swedenborg <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Well, it's it's amazing that you know you you were inspired by Johnny Appleseed um, to to learn more about Swedenborgianism, and then that took you on this this journey. And you're right, it's, Swedenborg's books are often hard uh, to digest. And um, I don't know if you know this, I've been working with the foundation on their board for uh, about the last five years. Uh, you know, the producers of Off the Left Eye, etc. And I remember thinking, kind of. Similarly, like I wish there were better, you know, content delivery systems, move like videos or what have you, than what we have. When I first found Swedenborg, uh, because on on YouTube there was just one video of uh, 
um, what it was like a a documentary about Swedenborg's life, and it's just like it seemed so uh, stagnant, and it was only just like the one thing, and then maybe one or two others. And what did it feel like when you found all that, all that uh, like beautiful exposition and and thought on off the left eye, and and how did that end up translating to uh, your life and, and and your walk? Well, no, that's a that's a great question, and I mean, really, it was literally. Um, it was literally that, that covering, right? <laughs> I was like, wow, like here's a, I can see, I totally, I can understand these things now. And how the biggest question for me was always, how is this applicable to my life, to my walk, to my faith, to my practice, right? Like how can, how do I make these, this is cool, like intellectually, what does it mean? What does it mean for me in a, in a realistic sense, in a practical way? Um, and I think, what what the the materials like off the left eye and, and things um it was able to they everybody you know really makes an effort to explain what these things mean and what they mean to you and what has meant the most to me is that those videos um you know this community's videos um content is always affirming and open and accepting and never you need to do this way or you need to be this way or you're bad or you're going to hell or your, you know, spiritual practices aren't valid. It's always affirming and positive. And I remember two things specifically. I remember after watching a few videos um, and just being blown away and, and just excited. Uh, and I emailed, I emailed, I had no idea, you know, details about foundation or how big, you know, I remembered my days of, of when I was working on, on, on our nonprofit, and it was literally me and, and my co-founder making, just producing YouTube videos, you know, five videos a week to be able to schedule out, and, and me personally learning, how do I edit videos? How do I do special effects? How do I do VO? How do I produce these? And figuring out the technology myself, very... I'm that right now. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd about that. I love to figure that stuff out myself. And I emailed um, the feedback e e email and, and Curtis, uh, Curtis Childs replied and he's like, Hey, great. I'm so excited that, you know, you, you love the videos. I emailed him like, Hey, can I help? What can I do? Like trying to volunteer. And he's like, yeah, no, we've got like editing. I didn't realize the scope of the resources that the Swedenborg foundation had. I kind of felt silly. It's like emailing like, Disney, like, hey, can I help you edit your movies? I don't know, but um, but it yeah, was. Just it's hard crazy. to see how how great that team is. I mean, you can see the you can see the final product, and and they include a lot of them more and more, which is cool. Like, actually, in the videos, but they have such an awesome team over yeah. at the Left Eye. Yeah, it's neat to see just the evolution of the production value um, grow over the last three four years that um, you know that I've been watching that. Um, so that was that was a, a moving moment when I realized, wow, this is a lot bigger than I thought, and the value is just super amazing. Um, and the other thing is, as I said, how affirming. I remember specifically um, when I had commented on a video, um, somebody on the team there had, uh, or and maybe it was Curtis who mentioned in a video a quote, and the quote that literally opened kind of my heart, I guess, to say this is something I want to participate in. Um, 
was from uh, Divine Providence. You mind if I if I read it? Please. Um, had it queued up here already. I I made my notes where I talk. Um, but this is the quote that like changed that made me feel that even though I don't know that I would call myself a, a Christian, I could call myself a, a Swedenborgian. I think. Um, but the quote from Divine Providence was. Uh, in the spiritual world where, all, where we all arrive after death, no one asks what our faith has been or what our beliefs have been, only what our life has been, whether we are one kind of person or another. They know that the quality of our faith and the quality of our beliefs depend on the quality of our life because life constructs a belief system for itself and constructs a faith for itself. And that just, that's, I'm like, that's, wow. that's me. That's what I believe. Not important, you know, those trappings aren't important, what counts, and, and what I've loved about about Swedenborg is um, it's not a, like, um, studying, uh, deeply studying, uh, you know, different Hindu practices, um, meditation methods, and all these things where you sit down and you do this breathing method, and you do this, um, you know, vision, you know, kind of uh, visualization technique, and all of these techniques, and schedules and plans and, 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 you know, things that you have to do to be able to attain enlightenment or feel, see God and all these things. And Swedenborg's like, be a cool dude. <laughs> like help people love each other. Be, be good. That's the practice. The practice is be a good person and a, be kind, be helpful, be of service. Like how much more simple or complicated at the same time can you get, you know? Yeah. And that's that's a great point that that's the core of the approach and it, it is simple and yeah it also calls on a lot of transformation often um and you know you can include of course you know this like you know including some of those practices that we've picked up including from hinduism maybe even those ideas can empower us even further especially once you know our heart starts reorienting itself towards love you know we, we i at least often find uh, those those practices help me become more present uh find you know new new ways to to live out that love uh but without swedenborg in my life too i think um or at least the inspiration of god through swedenborg's writings and, and through my experience pointing to that core of theology um i don't know if i would find much of a place for any of uh those practices that that helped me so much now yeah, I I agree. It's it's the way that it aligns with the core of the goodness, right? The good, like what I would say is the uh, the gospel, right? The good message of everything, which is yeah. to be to be a good person, to be kind and care, and be of service and love your fellows, and find uh, find ways to help rather than tear down, to build up rather than tear down, and the concepts. Of Swedenborg um, that, that he's put together have just clicked for me. Even just studying the last few weeks um, in my reading and doing a lot of uh, just the parallels are incredible to me. Um, the the concept, you know, Swedenborg's concept of of uh, our our loves, right? Our our loves is that is that right? Like our um, our is that is that the right phrase? Like our true loves or our true our loves and, and sometimes they can be, you know, quote unquote, love towards hurtful things or 
kind of what motivates us, right? Right, and how that um, aligns so strongly with a, a an understanding of karma in Eastern religions, where we're looking at karma is not a oh, I'm going to be mean, I'm going to punch you, and so you're going to punch me back. It's 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 more of a how are we seeding uh, the causes and reaping the effects, um, and how my 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 love may be selfish and so i'm going to live a selfish life i'm going to get i'm going to get the selfish effects from that or if i live a good life and a, and a helpful life i'm planting these seeds this karma and i get this goodness back because i put this goodness out and that's what my love is focused on you know these these things my love is 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 how i center myself and the things that i'm focused on if I'm thinking about being of service, I will find opportunities to serve, and that will make me feel better as a person, and I'll reap the effects of being a positive influence in my environment. You know, whereas in the negative sense, if I'm an angry person and my love is being being angry, you know, or getting hurt or being, you know, victimized, and I put that out into the world, that's the karma that I'm setting for myself. Those are the effects that I'm planting for myself. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is uh, wonderfully put. Uh, and I love what you said about uh, how that connects to the, the core gospel message. And, and often I find that's true with Swedenborg, that really he's distilling kind of the heart of, of Christianity, of Judaism, maybe of many traditions, uh, when he emphasizes that kind of openness of love. And as we have seen in, in many traditions as well, we can take it a gospel of love and we can turn it to our hurtful purposes and you you made the point about how we often especially in the christian west uh condemn other people of other faith traditions and um and and we can turn uh away from that core message of, of christ's openness and love of support for other people of transforming our lives towards love and instead kind of talk a good game around that, but really emphasize, you know, our religion is right, and my faith saves me, your faith condemns you, uh, which is not the same, the same thing. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much, Michael, for, for exploring that. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. And what you're saying there too reminds, I mean, this is uh, having the opportunity to study so many different, um, religions and religious practices it's it's not just it's not just i've learned western christianity that that does that every everyone does that everyone literally if you don't you know if you don't follow this guru you're doing it wrong or you know if you you know you do this kind of meditation instead of this kind of meditation well you're not going to get the effects that you should you know what i mean or you you know you're um you're a reformed Jew instead of an Orthodox Jew. You're doing it wrong. It's like those are classifications that can be useful, but also can really be divisive across every every aspect, every religious tradition. Um, and so Swedenborg has helped me to kind of step back from that, from from all spaces, to be able to have an open open mind and open sight and realize that none of that's important <laughs> all that's really important is how is is how i can open up to 
the good of the Lord to flow through me as an instrument and to be placed and to do those things that I'm, that I'm led to do through power other than mine. Um, Cause I know very well in my life that I, I could try to be a good person, but I, what is it? All goodness comes from the Lord. There's nothing from me that's good. It's, it's, it works through me and being able to be open and to be able to allow that to flow through um, is really, is, is really important outside of that. You know, there's nothing we can do, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I love, I love that you said it doesn't really matter. And, and even like, you know, me I, and, and each of us in this, you know, interfaith Swedenborgian community, we can act like that in our own ways of, of being selfish, you know, my way or the highway in certain circumstances and jealousy, you know, when we get caught up in our anger and, and fear. And yeah, it's one thing to discern and say, okay, I think this is healthier, this is less healthy. It's another thing to kind of center on that and, allow it to, to transcend or descend into uh, hurtful judgment and condemnation of, of all these different sorts, as, as you described. I'm curious about your, your work with uh, your, your startup. So it sounds like you were one of the first people in this startup from the get-go, and uh, you were telling me that you've grown quite a bit, and I'm, I'm curious about what, what your role is now and, and what that journey's been like. Yeah, so I, um, you're right, I began, you know, with just the, just the founders on the team. They were, it was really small, you know, um, four, four people in total, um, already having a, a bunch of, a really great collection of customers. And then over the last four years, seeing that just, just grow, we had it, we, so being remote, you know, we don't get it, get to be in person a lot. We do twice a year get togethers as a company. Um, and we just did one last week um, in Miami and seeing from the first one where we had six people and to this one where we had 26 people. And it's just where before we had, you know, a couple of rooms in an in a Airbnb and now we're renting out, you know, a whole kind of flat at, 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 on the beach, which was pretty great. Um, and just seeing everything expand uh, was really, it's really an amazing opportunity to help with that growth. Um, but what means most to me and in my role um, is I, I oversee a few teams, uh, a customer success team. Um, so helping our customers, um, a marketing team, our marketing team, which, you know, tells people about what we do and gets people interested in what we do. Um, and then since I've been kind of around since the beginning, doing a lot of operational pieces, um, helping to figure out, how can we do this better? Where can we tighten up our processes? How do we, how do we do these things? And I remember, um, you know, when I first started, the conversation I had with my daughter, um, she's 12 now, but that was, what, four years ago. Um, so she was, what's that, at eight, uh, seven, eight when I started. And she's like, what do you do all day <laughs> upstairs in the office at home? And I'm trying to figure out, how do I explain? Well, I help you know, customers who have questions about event marketing software, how to build event websites and registration forms. And I have to answer their tickets and they send in support tickets and I have to, uh, I have to stop whatever I'm doing and answer their questions and get frustrated because they don't know what they're doing. And 
So I'm thinking, how do I explain this to a, 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 an eight-year-old, right? Um, and the simplest explanation that I could think of that made the most sense, um, and not to talk down to her, right, but to really kind of help her understand, in essence, what I do, was um, people need help, and they ask me for it. And I realized when I told, after I told her that, I shared that with um, some of the team. And as we've grown out the teams and hired people, it's, it's important to find people that, you know, fit with that. And I realized that what more honorable position could there be in the entire world than to be the person that someone asks for help? Hmm. And um, being a parent has really helped me think about this too. Um, I have, so my daughter, she's 12 and I have a son who's five. Um, I mean, just thinking about how hard it is for, I wouldn't say many, I'd say most people to ask for help. Like how humbling is it to, to have to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help from somebody. Can you please help me? And how honorable it is to be the person that gets to help. It's not, I have to answer their questions. It's, I get to help these people. I, I get the honorable position to be the one that someone has to humble themselves to, and I can be humble as well and, re, and approach them in a way that's helpful. Um, that's and it just kind of reframed everything that I thought about support. I was in the marketing I was in marketing forever and I said, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go to the startup and go back and, and, and answer support tickets. I've done that. I, I did my time. I'm done with that. Um, but understanding it that way was just an amazing opportunity for me to really see how service is everywhere. And there are always way to, ways to be of service. And now as I've moved out of the day-to-day -day support and we have you know, a team of people that, that do that, being able to see how I can be of service. It's a vocation. It's literally turning, you know, a job into a vocation. And Swedenborg's writings has helped, have helped me really see that clearly. Like it's being able to look for the opportunities to be of service to my coworkers, employees, partners, um, owners, customers, family. It's like a life of service doesn't, it's available anywhere at any time. We just have to have the eyes to see it. That's, that's uh, beautiful. That life of service um, that you talk about, it's something to lean into for, for each of us in, in our work and in our walk. And uh, it's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, being there when people need help. And often I'm in a position uh, like that with the Church of the Good Shepherd and with the online community. And it, it is humbling to be in that position of, of asking for help, as well as be in a position where you at least try to, to support someone. And, and especially with the online community, often that's via email or, or, or what have you. And uh, what, what would you say, you know, really uh, allowed you to find such a, uh, graciousness and that it, it sounds like that's been part of your your journey with God and, and in life just an opening like a flowering to uh, enjoying the opportunity to help and often as, as you I think you alluded to uh, we can kind of get in a space of you know uh, 
uh, it's too much or, uh, you know, it can get annoying, especially if you're telling people to, you know, turn off their computer, turn it back on or what have you. I don't know. Kind yeah, of did you click on this? Did you click on that? Yeah, that can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all go through that kind of thing, especially with, you know, people in our lives who don't have uh, tech savvy. But some people do that every day still. So what would you say to people who are doing jobs that are helping people but may seem mundane to them? I don't, I don't know if we can inspire a meditative approach or, or what have you. Uh, what would you I think that's a great question because I talked to, so we talked to our team for me um, and for, you know, our, our, our founder um, culture of our company is so important. And as a remote company, you don't have the opportunities to create, you know, culture in the same way you do as having 30 people in an office, you know, you have to work for this. Um, and it's a lot of work to make sure that our teams are all aligned as well. You know, that they understand here's what we do, here's why we do it. And that from the top down, from every corner of the company, everyone has everyone's back. We support each other and we're all growing together. Um, so I think uh, just for me, what's worked for me and what seems to work for the team, for my team and what seems I think is universally applicable, maybe, I don't know, I can't talk for everybody, um, is, is the things that I keep in mind every day um, when talking to people. It's being humble. Um, I'm special, but I'm not special. <laughs> everyone's special. That doesn't mean no one's special. It's just everyone's special differently. Yeah. Um, and em being, having empathy. I mean, it's just like you said, we all get into those times when we all have to turn our computer off and turn it back on again, you know, putting yourself in those shoes, understanding from the, of what, you know, from the work side, understanding what my customers have to go through. Like, yeah, I get it. Like I get confused sometimes too, but what are the most important things are being helpful, being human, being a human being, shared experience. I also have those things that happen to me too. Um, and having empathy and understanding putting myself in those shoes. And, and most importantly, I think it's, 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 it's being humble and being kind, kind of, I have my, my coffee cup that I have every day right next oh, to me. Nice. Um, it's it being kind, like how would you want someone to talk to you? You know, if you were, if you had a question that turned out to be kind of a dumb question, like it was right in front of your face. Do you want someone to be like, Hey, 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 you dummy. Why didn't you do it this way? Oh, it's right there. Didn't you read the instructions? You could say it that way, but I think, you know, for this, I'll, I'll defer to the Buddha who said, you know, those, those three things, the three, the three gates that all of our words should pass through. Is it necessary? Uh, is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it useful? So is it useful, necessary, and kind? If it's not, then don't say it <laughs> or find a different way to say it, you know? Well put. It's funny you mentioned Buddha right then because I was thinking about uh, Pima Chodron, mm -hmm. a famous Buddhist uh, speaker, and I was listening to her uh, right before we started chatting. And you know, she was sharing something similar. At least it, it applies uh, in the sense that uh, we should think of everyone as um, and feel as though they're extensions of ourselves in a sense that. You know, we start breaking down the barriers of difference and, you know, we start off kind of frozen 
into like meism, you know, selfishness. And the process of life, from her perspective, is to melt, <laughs> you know. And I thought that was well put too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's like it, it just and, and there was a uh, there was a video, an awful left eye video, not too long ago, um, that talked about the heaven that's inside of us all, you know, that we ha all have this aspect of heaven in us, um, that we share this with each other. And that just makes me think of, um, you know, in Buddhism with the Lotus Sutra that, you know, uh, we all have this aspect of the, the Buddhahood in us, of the enlightenment, that's the possibility um, of positivity that lives in all of us. And if we can see that, and if we can remember that, even with most unpleasant people we can be gracious we can be humble and kind we don't have to be carpets to be walked over but we yeah. can still be gracious and we can understand and you know this is something i, I love to talk about to, to to the people that i work with too it's that all that we can control and this is something that I, i've read a lot of you know with marcus aurelius the stoics um, I love the, the Stoic philosophy and how it fits in there, but we can control what we can control and anything outside of that we have no control over. So why worry? Why worry about it? All I can control is how I react. You know, I can't control someone else's reaction. So if we have an angry person, an angry customer that's furious about something, can I, would I be justified in responding with anger? I mean, I think you could argue yes. You, I, I, you could argue yes, I could be. But what's the benefit in that? There's zero benefit in that. I can reply and respond uh, from, a set, from a place of empathy, from a place of helpfulness, um, from a place of graciousness or kindness. Yeah. Um, and all that is is a reflection on me for myself. And it's not a reflection on them because all I can worry about is what I do. And at the end of the day, I would rather know that I was as kind, as helpful and positive as I could be, regardless of the way someone interacts with me. It's not going to affect me if, someone's, if, if someone is, is reacting poorly. What's going to affect me is how I react and how I can act. And that's the only control that I have over. And even then, it's, even then it's right, all good things. <laughs> Look <laughs> like okay i'm gonna be cool i'm gonna let go and this is where i think you know a lot of like you were saying before it's a perfect example of um you know tick not han and like checking in with your breath and your body and the benefits of mindfulness and meditation um i think the biggest thing that meditation has ever done for me is allow me to take a step it gives you that pause between reacting with an emotion and and seeing that this emotion's coming. So I have that half a second, two seconds to say, ooh, hold on, <laughs> I'm really mad here. So I'm gonna wait a second. I can see this is an emotion. I can understand this emotion. I can embrace this emotion and say it's okay to feel angry. And now I can let it go. And now I can come back and say, what's the goodness that I can provide here? Now I have that brief instant to say, what can I open up and let flow, you know, from from the Lord, right? Uh, let yeah. let the flow and be used and, and use myself or be used as an instrument of positivity and have, you know, the um, the the prayer, the, the 
the, that I pray that the Lord puts me where I'm most useful. And maybe that's now. And maybe that's here. And how can I be of best use? And to let that go. So. Well, that's the crux of it. No, no pun intended. It would be a bad one anyway. Um, that God is the source of that divine goodness flowing through in a finite way in our lives. And how powerful is it to, to be able to accept that, yeah, you know, the structures in my life are working to some extent. My body's working, my mind, and I can lean into that goodness, uh, especially when I. Uh, and mindful, especially when I acknowledge that it's not really from me because often our ego can become attached to it. Uh, yeah, and that that awareness of emotion and what you were saying about taking a few seconds to uh, react and be, a, a, or not react, but kind of be aware of how we feel and react differently than we might have if we just kind of identified entirely with the emotion. So becoming more of a watcher of, our thinking mind, as well as our feeling mind, can enable, you know, more intelligence and in, in how we approach our lives, how we how we approach our inner life, and, and as you were saying, more health in how we react and and carry those emotions forward, and and instead of reacting in such anger um, and and mindlessness, in a sense, uh, we can receive more more kindness and love. That's my, that's my challenge. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's our challenge, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a terrible temper growing up, just absolute terrible temper. I mean, talking with my wife about this the other day. Um, and I still, I still get, I get upset. I can get upset very easily. But now I can get upset and then drop it. <laughs> Whereas before I'd get upset and that would be, You'd get, I'd get upset, and that would be this, this black cloud hanging over me for weeks, you know, and learning and being able to open up to those, you know, those, to let that go. Um, it's so, it's, you're right. I mean, it's so tied to the, to the ego, to this selfish love, these, the, you know, loving, this love of feeling, of righteousness, of feeling, um, I have a right to be angry and I'm justified and how could they do this to me? And it's all ego. It's all, the supposed importance of myself above every anyone else and that's that's where we can we can melt like you said um you know melt that away melt that negativity away um and just allow for the the opportunity to bring that positivity and it, it makes me think of of um you know the concept of, of well i i gotta say it because i said i would say correspondences um, just the idea of correspondence that, that Swedenborg has talked about is, is my life. I mean, understanding that it's like, I've, since I've been little, I've like, there is a secret language to everything. You know, there is something, everything means something else. And just the, the depth of meaning that has been unlocked by understanding that there is a thing called correspondence <laughs> and what that can mean is just, um, and that's what's really, I think, for me, unlocked this this interfaith idea. Just being able to see that in all things. Um, Tell us more you know, about correspondences cool. um, in your perspective. Um, I mean, to realize, you know, like my the the main thing for me was realizing my struggles with 
uh, let's say with the Bible, saying, you know, how could this could this really mean what it says? Like, and if so, like, why doesn't it get practiced the way that it says it should get practiced? And you know, what is the how how are these disparate things supposed to fit together? And just saying, you know what, this all means something else, and this means something that has a direct, deep, ur and urgent applicability to my daily life. Like, this is not just a story of some, you know, like in in the Bible story of some people fighting about something. It's like, whoa, this is actually, this is a story about me and about you and about everybody else we see out there and how life, you know, can be better. Um, and then being able to see with the idea that things mean other things and how they can mean other things, representational, you know, um, being able to see, okay, so regeneration means one thing in Swedenborg, correspondentially, is that a word? Correspondentially? I think so. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Correspondentially, you know, regeneration reminds me or reflects, or I see that reflected in, you know, a lot of, of the concept of enlightenment, um, you know, and, and living in, uh, you know, having access living in heaven now heaven is a state of mind heaven is how we live it's not a place where we go it's that heaven within us um being able to share that ex express that bring that to the world you know is really yeah, corresponds to me and maybe not in a strict swedenborgian kind of definition but corresponds to you know the idea of the bodhisattva in buddhism that we have we are people that have goodness, that are regenerating ourselves, not for the benefit of ourselves, but for the benefit of every other single human being um, in, the, in the universe. You know, that we are doing this in order to bring goodness to everyone, and we're not done until everyone can experience that. Um, and that idea of doing that, not through our own power, but through the power of, you know, what's above us, and uncovering, melting that nastiness around us to uncover the goodness in ourselves and using that kind of being a, a superhero for God, I guess. I don't know, you know, <laughs> a worker, like a person that's out there to enlighten everyone else and try to help other people. And it's not doing that is not here's the way that you need to believe and practice doing that is I love you. I want to be kind to you. And that's going to make you want to love and be kind to other people. Yeah, that's that's a type of super super heroism we can all strive to to live up to. Wow. Yeah, and I I appreciate what you said about these deep connection between the different ideas and even like someone who approaches life quote unquote scientifically. I know there are a few of those types of people who view science as kind of kind of like the science of of love, which is. Uh, what someone called Christianity recently, I'm forgetting the source, uh, maybe it was Helen Keller, uh, but like the science of approaching life in healthier and healthier ways um, in, in, involves like looking at our own lives and saying, okay, these things are working, these things aren't, and so how can I grow and, and bloom? And, and that's kind of more like the Swedenborgian, uh, Swedenborg's use of the word correspondence is like, Look at how this happens in your heart, and then look at how this happens in a 
a physical way, like here's a flower blooming and here's a, a tree growing. And, and as you said, like here's a story about all these people maybe working together or, or arguing, uh, but, but the way it unfolds is very kind of mental. It's, it's spiritual. Uh, that's what makes it scripture to him. And, and you're right. Like when, when I was finding that in, in the Bible stories, um, thanks to Swedenborg's writings, uh, kind of exploring how that, how that works, uh, it kind of blew my mind because I was like, this is, like, this is real. Like, you know, learning about this symbolism and revelation, it's connecting to all these books of the Bible that I heard about growing up. And how could they be so interconnected and how could they be so meaningful to my life? I always thought it was a dead book, you know? Um, yeah. And that, that can be really powerful and, and illuminating, enlightening, as you said. So, yeah, so Swedenborgianism and, and your walk has kind of um, renewed or, or fostered a connection with, with the Bible uh, for you in a way that maybe you didn't have before and, um, and, and with God in your journey. And, and how, how has that been in your, your familial life with, with your parents and, and others who, who do not necessarily share your label, but maybe share your heart in a sense? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think for my, for my family, what's always been most important is I guess is what, what Swedenborg teaches is how we treat other people, you know, how we live in the world and be good and be kind. So labels, you know, coming from a family with so many labels, you know, labels don't always, they're not always that important, you know. Um, I think with, uh, with, you know, my family, my wife would definitely call herself a humanist. Um, and my kids, uh, you know, the message is really about how to live and be good people. There's no question around that. Um, and outside of that, it's kind of like I've always been a seeker. <laughs> I've always been reading and learning and trying it. Almost, like you say, like scientifically, like, okay, great. So I want to try this and see if this works, see if this is what, what works, what's right, what opens that up, you know, makes it easier to live and as a kind, good, hearted person, Swedenborg has certainly um, has been a key to unlock all of that in my life. Um, outside of that, what we call ourselves and, and what you believe is not as important as the life that you live and the people that you help. So. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully put. I think that will speak to a lot of folks listening, no matter their faith tradition. And, you know, sometimes we, we critique uh, ideas and uh, Protestant Christianity around faith alone saves. And, but, you know, I think, uh, and we can critique other religions for, for their limitations in our own as well, I hope. Um, but uh, it, what's striking me right now is what you said earlier, which is, yeah, this is, you know, there's, there's goodness in discernment and seeing what works and what seems to hurt people. But really like what's important is that core of love. Um, and so not the difference in labels. Uh, it's, it's about how you live your life uh, is what, what you just said. And 
it's it's interesting because we can get caught up in well if you live your life in that way you could be faking it or maybe your heart's not in the right place and but really like living your life uh, in the way that i hear you say it it's not just about how you act it's how you're living within and and seeing what really uplifts you and uplifts other people and uh that's that's powerful stuff it's your love right it's your true love you can't and i think swedenborg says this all the time um i think i said i, I may be wrong um but i've picked up certainly um i haven't read everything i have my swedenborg library right here next to me at my desk huh. every day so i look over and i see all the books um right under my buddha statue um <laughs> You know, they you call know, Swedenborg the Buddha of the North. Buddha of the North. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, we, I, I believe, you know, what he said is, is that, you know, you, you can say, you know, you believe something and you do something, but if you're not doing it for the right reasons, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, it's not, it's not being done. It's, it's not being done right. Um, and in that, that, that love of, like just understanding and wanting to be uh, doing things for the right reason from the right place um, and not taking credit for it. <laughs> you yeah, know. pointing. Yeah. Pointing up. I'm just, even, uh, even if it's just within, I, I find it makes it easier to take compliments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks. Humble. Stay humble. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm curious not to, not to, change gears uh, entirely here. I think it does relate. Um, but I'm curious about your, your offer uh, before we, we started chatting to, to all, at least in the recorded section, uh, to help out with the online community. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a half-time minister with the online community. We have limited funds. Uh, any donation, folks, goes a long way. Uh, and so we, we would love to have more more connected support. I know there are a lot of people uh, in connection with this community who, who have skills in so many different amazing uh, places. Um, and, and you clearly have maybe uh, more than, than most like direct experience with uh, the crux or a part of what we try to do here, which is make a community online. And where, where have you seen, uh, you know, things work for, for your for your work that may translate to to us, if, if you think about it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, virtual community building, it's, it's tough. So looking at, uh, you know, online communities, getting people to the same place is tough, you know, using the same platform. Um, Facebook used to be the way to go. And, you know, people are kind of kind of leaving that platform a little bit. It's hard to really to do full time community building and getting, you know, resources that are directly in there. You know, like I said, for our for my company, building a culture, it's building a community of people with shared values. Right. Um, and doing it virtually, it's not the same as doing it in person where you can just kind of get together and chat. I've really found that being able to build that, it, it takes it takes some effort. It takes creating the opportunities, you know, for those things to happen. You kind of almost have to force. You kind of almost have to force those things, you know. Um, you kind of have to till the soil and get things ready. Whereas in person, you can just kind of bring people together and let it kind of let it form with minimal guidance. And and virtually, you really have to 
you really have to think out in the, in detail. Here's all of the you know the boundaries or the things. Here's the resources, the tools we have. Here's how we're going to try to get the people engaged. Is it you know activities, questions, opportunities for interacting with each other? What are the easiest ways to get people talking with each other? And oh, that really communication builds community. So yeah, I think you're right. It, it takes a lot more intentionality uh, with the online community to to really foster that space and. And it, it, it's hard, especially if you're on multiple platforms and people are connecting, you know, eight different ways with similar content, the same content, but, you know, we're not all on XYZ at the same time. And, and that's something I want to keep working towards. I, I hope to start doing a little bit more of that on YouTube uh, going forward where we have like premieres set where uh, we're more likely to chat because I know that's something off the left eye often uses and, and others, but for us, especially since we try to put out our Sunday message like right after uh, it's it's done and things like that, and like the live format, it's it's hard to get the edits and all those things that I I would like with the YouTube videos in like right then. Um, but it's something I want to work towards because I know that that platform works. And uh, but even then, it's like people are connecting through Facebook, through Instagram, through email, through our website. Um, and, and when you have people in a room, it, it kind of just clicks off. Uh, so there's some, some challenges there. Yeah. I'd love to help however I can. Well, thank you for that, uh, that willingness and that uh, show of support. And it's, I wanted to say earlier, it's so cool of you to reach out to Off the Left Eye and be like, Man, how can I help? And they're like, oh, we got a team. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if they can do that now. They're editing. We don't need you to do that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I know they're always looking for support, but we definitely uh, could use it. So let's keep connecting about that. And um, to the rest of you as well, you know, share share your stories with me. And if you ever want to come onto the show and and be as inspiring as Michael, I think that might be hard to do because uh, I I found this really inspiring. But I think we all have that beautiful. Uh, deep, profound story to share, and um, I'd love to, to be uh, someone to help uh, you you share that with other people, and, and thanks, Michael, for, for doing that today. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate it. Well, uh, with that, folks, we uh, are coming to an end. Uh, please be sure to subscribe, to follow us wherever you find us. We're on all your major podcasting platforms, on, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, even on Twitter a little bit, I think. And uh, uh, we can also be found at SwedenborgenCommunity.org. Uh, we're always looking for ways to connect further, so share your feedback, uh, share your thoughts, uh, as Michael has uh, today, and um, go forth knowing you're quite loved. Bye, folks. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.